0: Hello, welcome to the Science Podcast.
1: Hello, this week we are talking to Francesca, who looks at how people behave. Everyone, this is Francesca. I was trying to explain what psychology was, um, but I said that you would explain it much better than me. So I'll I'll hand it over to you and you can maybe introduce us to that if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I, I'm Francesca. Um, and so I am a psychologist or psychology researcher. And so psychology is kind of like um, anything to do with how our mind works and how we behave in certain situations. Um, In particular, I look at how children develop um, and how their emotions develop. So I do lots of different research into how and why children might recognise that people have more than one emotion at the same time um, or, or don't have more than one emotion and how that then changes at different age groups. So, did you say you work you work with children, um, on studying things, Francesca? I do. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I've worked with children as young as four and all the way up to thirteen. Is kind of where where I've studied so far. Um, but the thing that I like most about developmental psychology is that it's about the whole lifespan. So. I could study anyone at any age um, and do anything that I felt like or fancied studying um, and it would still fit into that developmental psychology kind of role. Did you always want to do psychology or were you just kind of interested in science in general or did you know that you wanted to do psychology? So I knew I always wanted to work with people. Um, I love being around people and, and working with people. And so when I was at school and choosing my subjects, um, I was interested in either being a psychologist or being a midwife. Um, those were kind of the, the two choices that I made. And obviously I picked psychology. Um, and I mean, with psychology, I, I can just do anything with that. And it's, it's so broad that that's been what, what I love about it. But doing a PhD, as I said in the, um, in, in the profile, that was something that I've always been interested in doing and it was always part of my life plan when I was really young that I knew at some point I did want to do um, a PhD and, and have that doctor in front of my name. Does everyone understand what PhD means, by the way? Like I, I'm talking about it as if everyone understands what it is, but... I think it's... as some sort of scientist. Yeah, a little bit. So most scientists will have a PhD, but you don't have to be a scientist to do it. You can have a PhD in in anything. You can have it in history, you can have it in art, you can have it in French, you can have it in absolutely anything you want. Um, A PhD, essentially, it's that qualification Um, that bit of work that you do that allows you to put doctor in front of your name so I know that you've um, spoken to Dr Cassidy Ross before and she has the doctor in front of her name because she did a PhD and a PhD is just a really really big book that you have to write and it has to be on something that no one else in the whole world has ever studied before That's what a PhD is in a nutshell. It's quite complicated. It is. That's why it usually takes people quite a few years to do it. Most, like, three years is the minimum. Most, some people can take <laughs> over 10 years to do it because it is really long and really complicated. That means someone like the person who started from our mission about that rover thing what does he have a phd the the people with um like the perseverance that landed the rover on mars this week did they have phds the majority of them probably would have yes okay what would you say is the weirdest fact about psychology that you know Oh, that's a tricky question. I don't know that I know the answer. Or just an interesting fact then. We'll go for an interesting fact. Interesting fact. Something that when I was learning psychology that I always found interesting was about the social side of it and how people um, function in groups and together. And there's a really funny video that you can look on YouTube Um, based on some of this research where if you go into a lift and you face one particular way and then for some unknown reason you just randomly turn to face the other way the if there's another person in the lift they'll probably turn to face the same way that you did and think that it's some kind of reason that you will have to turn and there's um, and you can see a video there's several videos on YouTube where you can see people going to into lifts and then all turning around in circles or taking their hats on and off just because other people in the lift are doing it and it's I think it's quite funny to to watch. Mm. Can you tell us
0: like see in your typical day you mentioned that you can be doing experiments can you tell us um, one of the experiments or the last experiment you did that you can that's memorable or something?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, the last experiment, well, the experiment that I'm just finishing off at the minute looks at children aged between eight and thirteen years old, and uh, how they think um another person, another teenager, um, would feel if they move house, if they um, got a younger sibling or if they uh, went to a new school and uh, they then sort of plot on a graph, I have one here, um, what they think the person would feel and then they just answer some questions about how they cope with difficult times and difficult circumstances. And then um, I sort of matched them up and see if there are associations between um, how they think other people feel, and if they think they can identify or think other people can feel lots of emotions all at the same time, and if they then have, uh, if they feel happier than them themselves, and if they feel they can um, cope with difficulties in their life. Um, Versus if um, that's. Um, but in case any of you are unsure about what a, I can't see myself, but <laughs> hopefully you can see this. Um, so this is what they plot it on. So here it says little, and up here it says lots, and then it's beginning, middle, and end along the bottom. And then, so these are the different um, time points in the story. So if they then think that they felt the emotion, so if they think the person in the story felt really, really happy, they would draw a line all the way up to the top. If they thought they didn't really feel very happy, they would just draw a little line and so on and so forth. So you can plot how, how people are feeling, which is cool. Yeah, and that's something that I love Um, is I get so many different... I'm a little bit of a geek in that way. I love graphs. And you can then get so many different uh graphs and shapes that they all draw um and I think it's fascinating and something else from it's kind of a side thing because I also have done this with four-year-olds and so many teachers say that oh yeah but 4 four-year-olds can't do that that's that's really complicated we don't teach that until they're around about eight but actually they can do it just as well um and I think so many people underestimate children's abilities but I mean they you can you can do it there's no reason why you can't you can't do it is there any other social experiments that you could do just like in your day-to-day life yeah one that you could do with your family i suppose is if you got some um lemonade and some food coloring but you didn't tell the people in your in your family that it was just lemonade you told them that they got all sorts of different drinks if you put the lemonade in lots of different cups and put like red food colouring in one and green food colouring in another and blue food colouring in another and got them to try and guess what flavour each of them was. They would tell you that they all tasted different because they see that they look different. So they think they're going to be different, but actually they're all the same. So that's another little social experiment you could just try out on your friends and family. I know a prank about you, do. You can get water and red food colour and put it in water and when, and when you go for dinner and somebody asks for for cola, just give them red water. You could do, but yeah, the thing with the lemonade is because it's fizzy, it kind of masks the taste a little bit more and a bit better um, rather than just water. But I suppose you could do it with fizzy water that would probably also work does that work as well sometimes see how you see things in the supermarkets or other products for example how you get more expensive products and then you get slightly cheaper products and some people say that they're the exact same thing but like slightly different packaging does that work along the same kind of psychology as well oh yeah definitely definitely um the, the colors that they use on the packaging and how bright the packaging is and, and where it's placed on the shelves. Um, I mean, so companies will pay loads and loads and loads to, put, to have supermarkets put their product at the eye line, which is why you find the cheaper products right on the bottom shelf because they've not paid as much money. Um, but you can see this with cereals. If you have a really fancy cool cereal that has lots of bright colors on it and has a cartoon character on it it will you'll think it tastes better but if you um, take the cereal out of the box and just put it in uh, like a a see-through tub you'll see that it, it doesn't look as exciting doesn't look as appetizing or something that you want to eat as much and so, yeah, food, the food industry makes loads of money on this. Loads of money on all of those kind of things. We could try and do an experiment by asking what everyone's favourite cereal is, and then we'll see if that's got a colourful packaging or not. Yeah, we could try. I I don't know everyone's, all this cereal's packaging. Yeah, I'll try but and imagine what the box looks like. <laughs>
0: Well, I eat uh, Wheatabix normally and it has yellow colours on the box. So it's a bright box.
1: I would say yeah. my, my favourite one is Cocoa Pops, but I would probably base that on the fact it's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I like the chocolate flavour, but it's it's nice and bright as well, I suppose, and it's got the the, the mascot as well. Yeah, something that's interesting, correct me if I'm wrong but I think Cocoa Pop also has slightly yellow on the box because mm-hmm. yellow there's been some research it's not like a hundred percent strict but there has been some research to suggest that yellow makes you feel more hungry so that's interesting that the two cereals both have yellow on the box. Amy and Cully have you got a favourite cereal? Pops, are Frosties. Your Coco Pops Frosties. as well, Amy. Frosties, they've got the mascot as well, haven't they? Yeah. That's a tiger and then the background's like blue, navy. What about Hannah? Have you got a favorite cereal? Cocoa Pops? Cocoa Pops as well. Coco Pops is looking to be very popular. hmm <laughs> What about you, Noah? Have you got a favourite cereal? Any cereal that has sugar I will we'll eat. Blacklin and she, have you got favourite cereals? Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies. Very similar to Cocoa Pops. Just unchocolated Cocoa Pops. Mine's mm-hmm. just Lucky Charms. Ooh, oh, Lucky Charms. I a those are very colourful, those ones. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and they they also have the mascot as well, don't they? They have the little leprechaun. Yep. Did they not come from America at first? I think so. Because I remember you couldn't get them here for ages. And then you see them about more often in the shop now. I have a question for you guys. Does anyone watch any sports that is one person competing against another person? So, like, tennis or martial arts or boxing or anything like that? Boxing. Boxing? the UFC. UFC, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. So often in these kind of sports, I don't know if you've noticed, they'll have a red person and a blue person. And something that's really interesting in that is often the, the person in red or the team in red will get more points and the referee will give more points to the person in red because the they think, the referee thinks that they're the person that's being more aggressive or the person that's throwing more punches and boxing. Um, and so often they'll win. So if you're ever in a team or ever, if you're doing the boxing or you ta- uh, was it Taekwondo? that Hannah does then you want to be the person in red because they're the person that's going to get more points Yeah, I think karate Yeah, but that's a good tip if you're ever playing one-to-one go for red then
0: I find it interesting how much psychology is important in sport because the team often that wins is the one that want- wants to win the most I feel
1: Yeah, psychology is really important in sport like every olympic team and sport team they'll have psychologists with the team just to help them be able to to yeah have that mentality of yes i'm definitely going to win but also things like i don't know if you've um when you see watch people play football and before they kick a penalty they'll kind of step back and take a deep breath and kind of and and watch it before they go in they don't just dive straight in and often that's them visualizing in their head what they're about to do. And if you and this can go for anything, not just sport, if you visualize in your head what you're going to do, then often that kind of trains your muscles or preempts your muscles onto how you then actually go ahead and do it. And then that's then how you could get your penalty in, in football or if you play an instrument like guitar, if you visualise how you're going to move your fingers, then when you come to play it, then your fingers would move as you, you want them to. I think she was just telling us earlier he had just got a guitar. So there's a, there's a good tip for you, she. <laughs> there you go. See, see, with COVID and things as well, Like I know a lot of you guys, um, you're not at school at the moment, obviously, and you don't see your friends as much, you know, it's obviously had a big impact on people. Have you noticed, like, a, have you been doing anything to do with that? Like, looking into how it's affected people? I haven't personally, um, but I have colleagues who, who have. Um, something that uh, I've more been looking at is actually how it affects st- students in the university um, and how they um how that can affect their well-being how that affects their happiness how that affects their mental health so if they're experiencing more um like depression or anxiety um compared to to other years outside of of covid um, but there's so much um that, there's so much research that, that is happening and that will happen because of COVID, and to see those differences in in years to come as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's had an effect on all, like nearly everybody, in different ways. It's weird, it's weird how everyone reacts in different ways. Yeah, I've ju- I've just actually thought about something that um, I don't know them personally. It's like someone like through a couple of other contacts. So I don't I don't know hundred percent for sure. Um, the exact research, but um, I had that someone has given lots of cameras to a few children and told them to go around and take pictures of what they um, consider their safe place or what they consider is more dangerous and why that might be more a scary thing for them um, because of, of COVID and, and those kinds of things. And, and that's also one of the other things that I love about uh, psychology is the absolutely everything can be an experiment. Everything can be data and information. It's not just um, like if you're a chemist, then obviously you're only looking at chemicals within the lab. But for for psychologists, it's absolutely everything that can be taken um, and and looked at.
0: I had a, just one more question. I think just there. Uh, when you were talking about uh, in, people interpreting other people's feelings, mm-hmm. um, what kind of age or what um, did you find that, that people develop that and how, how do they develop that?
1: So um, there's a whole scale of the development. Mm-hmm. So uh, like very young babies can recognise and sense that someone might be feeling more negative, or another person might be feeling more positive. Um, and children as young as two will be able to say, "That's an emotion that I want to have. That's an emotion that I don't want to have," um, and kind of separate them like that. Um, but it's also very much mixed in with language and culture, so um, there's no strict guidelines of okay when they're four they're going to feel this when they're six they're going to feel this because if you take a look at the whole world um we have completely different words for different feelings and some of them don't quite translate but that doesn't mean that we don't all have the the ability to feel all the same feelings um so yeah it's it's difficult to say exactly when that occurs but in my research it's usually around about kind of um six-ish six to eight-ish when kids then can understand that someone might have lots of different emotions and that that's a lot more complex than it might first seem um so, the example that I use is moving house, and that can be an exciting thing as well as a really scary thing. Um, and the, it's then matching up those, um, the understanding of someone's feelings about an event or what's happening, as well as interpreting what might be going on in their mind and what their thought process might be behind it. Thank you. I think, does everyone want to say a big thank you to Francesca? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you for having me on and for sharing all that you did. It's been lovely. Thank you so much, Francesca. And I'll get the podcast to you when it's all edited. (laughs) Fantastic. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Goodbye, good night, thank you for listening.